I'll echo what he said. I love being in this church. I'm glad the Lord led us to work out of Bible Baptist Church. I'm grateful for the membership and the prayers as we are on the road as most of the evangelists and missionaries on a continual basis. And each time we come in, folks tend to have been praying for us, and that means the world to us. I enjoyed Sunday school this morning. Brother Hewitt knocked it out of the park. I lay a good, solid foundation for this week in world missions and evangelization. I echo what he says to quote uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said many years ago under his ministry, he said, I do not believe that uh, God calls every young man to go to the mission field. But I do believe that every young man ought to prove why God hadn't called him to the mission field. And uh, so it is our prayer this week, since the theme of it is who will go, that God will raise up young men and to go into the ministry and then call them to the mission field. And you young ladies can be a missionary as well. A lot of preachers we've already heard, but you certainly can be a missionary. And God can use you in a great and mighty way. This morning I would like to ask you to take your Bibles. We'll turn to Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll bring the message from this passage of Scripture. Last year we did a, a series on Abraham and his life. And this year the Lord has at least laid on a heart for this morning uh, to look at faith out of Hebrews chapter number 11. So if you have your Bibles, once you get to Hebrews 11, we'll stand in reverence to the reading of the Bible. I do appreciate Pastor giving me some uh, liberty this morning. Uh, anytime I'm in a pulpit and, and a guest in a church, I've always tried to honor the time. Uh, you have to do that as a prison preacher. If they give you 10 minutes, you've got 10 minutes, or you'll end up a resident in the institution. And... Um, I'm always reminded, Brother Elvis Emerson, while some Bibles are still turning, on the pages, I remember Elvis Emerson used to go into the prisons, he'd take his watch off, lay it on the pulpit, and he would say to the prisoners, anybody know what this means? And most of the time they'd say, I don't know, what does it mean, preacher? And he would simply say, it don't mean anything, that's what it means. But in Eddyville, Kentucky, at a hardcore prison, he took his watch off one time, laid it on the pulpit, and said, does anyone know what that means? A big man in the back of the auditorium stood up. He said, yes, sir, preacher, I do. It means you're not going to have a watch when you leave this congregation tonight. <laughs> he graciously put his watch back on. So I'm leaving mine on, and I'll watch the pulpit clock this morning. I do appreciate Pastor giving me the levity to be able to go a little longer if I need to, but I'll try to stay within the confines of the uh, tradition of the church in the pulpit. This morning, as we consider our text... I want to read just a few verses of Scripture, and then we'll make our prayer and go to the Lord concerning the text this morning. In Hebrews chapter number 11, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, if you will, go with me, please, to verse number 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked not for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker, or he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Our fathers, we bow before you this morning. I thank you for our church. Thank you for what we've already heard, for the 
blessings that's been bestowed upon us, the testimonies, the great choir singing, and then the special music this morning. Father, you should have been better to us than we deserve. And I thank you for our church and for every missionary, every evangelist, every preacher that sits under the sound of our voice. Thank you for calling us into the ministry and putting us together here at Bible Baptist Church. Thank you for our pastor and thank you for the congregation. And there may be those that are visiting this morning and they do not understand missions and the emphasis of this week. But I pray the Holy Spirit of God would convict them and show them their need for salvation. Lord, may you help them to realize that they are a mission field within themselves. Help them to come to the realization of their need for Christ and to call out upon you even this hour. Bless this conference. I pray that you'll send forth missionaries and laborers and call preachers into the gospel ministry. Stir the hearts of the saints and the church that we may give more than we've ever given in our entire life of our talents, our time, our being, our existence, our finances, and God, all that you have blessed us with. Bless every man of God as he stands this week to present his ministry and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. We need you this morning. We pray for your empowerment, for your divine presence, and for that unction you promised in the Scriptures. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture, in fact, in the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, we find one of the most complete, exhaustive definitions on the subject matter of faith as is found in the entirety of God's eternal word from the opening of the book of Genesis to the closing book of Revelation. We find that there is even a definition that is offered in its opening statement. And the Bible says in this passage of Scripture that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now as we consider this passage of Scripture... I would like to take just a moment to give you three perspectives on faith that I believe that we find in the Bible, God's divine book. May I say to you this morning that faith is the foundation of our Christian life and walk with God. In fact, without faith, the Bible clearly declares that it is impossible for you and I to please God. The Bible declares that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and I've often said this, and I've said it in this pulpit in times past, and that is that faith is not a leap into the dark. It is a leap into the light of the divine promises of God's eternal book. It is a clinging, a holding to the passages of Scripture and the promises we find in the Bible. Faith is not hope. Faith is not mere expectation of future things. Faith is a clinging to that which is already promised in the Bible, the Word of God. It is accepting, not expecting, the promises that God has. It is as if we hold in our hand the very promise that God has given to us, though it has yet to come to pass. And I want to preach this morning on the subject matter of faith. And I pray that God will allow us to be of help to Every Christian, every preacher, every evangelist, every missionary, and every child of God that sets under the sound of our voice. Faith is not sight, because faith does not, uh, it deals with the things that are not seen. 
the realm of the visible, visible is not faith. When something is promised, though it has not existed as of yet, and we cling to the promise, that's faith. Faith has no evidence in its current status. But faith has substance, substance in the promise that Almighty God has given to you and I. And by clinging to that divine promise, we can, by faith, see the evidence come to pass when God has heard and answered His divine promise from the divine book, the Bible. Faith believes in a God who can make all things, and He can make all things out of nothing. Faith believes that God can take and God can speak and God can bring into existence that which is yet to come into existence. Faith believes that God can step out on the void where there is nothing and that God by His divine word can speak and say, let there be light and there was light. Faith believes that while uh, there are no plants and no animals and no creeping things and no fowls of the air, that faith believes that God can say and God can speak by God's divine word and things shall be made out of nothing and come into existence. Faith asks for no evidence other than God and His divine promise. In fact, faith claims the Bible has the only substance needed in order for God to act. The Bible says in Psalm 33 and verse number 9, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And only God can make something out of nothing. Only God can take the void of non-existence and speak, and things shall come to pass. Faith allows us to see farther than our physical eyes are able to see. Jeremiah 33 and 3, God said, Call unto me and I will answer thee. But notice a promise in this divine text. And I'll show thee great and mighty things, and watch this, which thou knowest not. And so faith is going to God. Faith is going before the throne of God and taking the Word of God, the Bible, at God's divine Word and clinging to it and saying to God, I believe you, God, because it is written in the Scriptures and because it's written in the Scripture, I believe in you and by faith I cling to the divine book, the Bible, God's inspired, preserved, inerrant Word of God. That is faith, my friend. Faith allows us, and faith begins where human hopes and prospects end. Faith puts its faith and trust in the divine inspired book. Faith is a necessity to please God. For without faith, the Bible said, that is impossible to please Him. But then there is the seed of doubt. We find it in the opening of the Bible of the Old Testament in the book of Genesis in chapter number 3 and verse number 1 when Satan said to Eve, Yea, hath God said? In the very beginning Satan entered doubt into the heart of mankind and humanity. And as a result of that, even up until this generation in 2022, Satan is still planting his seed of doubt in the heart of God's people and impressing in the heart, Yea, hath God said? Can you really lean, in other words, on the divine Word of God? 
Can you really put your faith in what God has said? Eve, can you really trust Him? Yea, hath God said. Thou will cause sinners to die and go to hell. According to Revelation 28 and verse, or 21 and verse number 8, and the fearful and the unbelieving. And the latter part shall have their part in the lake uh, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, for quite some time I've been studying faith out of Hebrews 11. And just for the sake of time this morning, though I'm not rushing through the sermon, I would like to skip over to verse number 8. And this morning I would like to look at Abraham once again, just in brief and context from a totally different perspective of last year's series of messages. Notice, if you would please, in our text, that Abraham's faith, the hallmark of his faith, is obedience. For the Bible tells us in verse number 8 of Hebrews in chapter number 11, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And every single individual in Hebrews 11 has a hallmark of their faith that caused God to place them in the book of Hebrews, known as Faith Hall of Fame. You say, preacher, why would you preach on faith in a missions conference? Because it takes faith to step out and believe God and to surrender to the will of God, the call of God. It takes faith for the church to put their trust and to put their authority in a man of God and send him out from under the authority of the local church. It takes faith in order for the church body to sacrificially give to world missions and evangelization. And so we find that while Moses' hallmark of faith was choosing, Abraham's hall of faith or his mark for his faith was obedience. The Bible tells us that by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. Therefore, the first thing we learn about faith in the life of Abraham is that faith demands obedience. Without obedience there will be no faith. As we think about obedience this morning, there are many, I believe, that God has called. Missions in general is down, as we heard in Sunday school this morning. But is it because God has quit calling? Is it because we live in a society and a culture and a generation that has become so hardened to the gospel that they will not hear and therefore God has ceased from calling then into the gospel ministry? Is it because we live in a culture that cries from the heart, away with God, away with His Word, away with the church, away with the preacher, away with the missionary, that God has determined that He will no longer, that He will forbear His call on young men into the gospel ministry? 
I say to you, my friend, this morning, nay, a million times nay. I believe God's still calling as much as God began calling in the very beginning when he called his 12 disciples, established the apostles, apostles, founded the New Testament church, and called throughout the ages. I believe God's still calling, but man will not heed the call. It takes divine calling from God. And God's still able. I go in some churches today and you would think that they believe while they were there to worship God in truth and in spirit and in power. They do that to the best of their ability. But by being in their midst, you would almost think that they have come to the conclusion that is nothing more than a formality and that they really don't believe anything they say, anything of their worship and their substance. And it's almost as if we're going to do it because we're commanded to do it as a child of God. But we really don't believe that God's hearing and answering prayer anymore. By faith. We were recently in our national uh, conference, and our theme was, To God Be the Glory. And all I can say is the glory of God showed up on several occasions. God was real. God was present. I went in with a special project on our heart, our other's project, as we try to do in our conferences most of the time and emphasize a need for another ministry. We were trying to buy sewing machines for the Middle Eastern ministry and help provide a bias or dresses for some of the prisoners' families. It was not for us. It was for another ministry. Then they desired to sew long johns for the prisoners. That was greatly needed. By having their own sewing machines, they are able to employ the widows in the church that consists of over 70 widows. They have no means of livelihood. This would allow them to be able to make a, a meager income because in that culture and in that society, the widows are outcasts and counted as nothing. I did not know what God would do. As we stood and I had the brother come and share his ministry. We began to take commitments from the floor. Then a matter of moments, God allowed us to raise the needs, the financial needs of that ministry. In a matter of minutes, $93,500 had been committed and came in in that conference to help that other's need and offering. We have our own ministry in the country of Brazil, and one of our national missionaries, John Isles, was there. And because of COVID and the inflation and the increase of living expenses and building materials, I had wanted to do something for him, but there was no way, preacher, I was going to go in and ask for an offering to help in Brazil for the ministry of Rock of Ages and our outreach after God's people had already given $93,500. I had Brother Alves come and share his ministry and his burden. And he went to the altar and began to pray. And the Holy Ghost of God moved on my heart. And I looked over at Dr. Dunster and I said, Get ready, God's a-moving. 
I stood and said, I do not want to take advantage of anyone this morning, but the Holy Spirit of God has impressed on my heart, we must need to do something for Brazil. We must need to expand the ministry. And people started standing, and in a matter of moments, another $66,000 was committed. One of them was a missionary who had been saving for years to buy a home and came to me and said, the Holy Spirit of God is impressed on my heart to give an offering toward this, uh, this offering today. And I pulled him aside and I said to him, I said, now are you sure? And I questioned him. And it's not that I wanted to rob him of a blessing, but I wanted to be sure it was not just an emotional decision. Because he had saved for years to buy a home. They said what God had done and they impressed on my heart that it was truly of the Lord. And I stood and I said, and I didn't tell who it was. They wanted anonymous, and I believe that's the way it should have been. But they said that God's impressed on my heart to take every penny out of my savings account where I've been saving up for uh, to buy a house and give it to this missions project there in Brazil. And it was over $30,000. In fact, almost $33,000. And here's a missionary that doesn't have enough to get down the road and doesn't have all they need to get the job done. But the Holy Ghost of God said, Give it! And they were obedient to the will of God. Faith demands obedience this morning. Got back into the ministry and we're trying to close out this chapel. It's been a two-year project because of all the challenges and struggles that we've had to get through and it's one of the most uh, battling things that we have uh, did at Rock of Ages for quite some time and um, we were needing help with the ministry in fact I'm waiting on chairs to come in and we, they were several months past due of getting them to us and we just stepped out by faith and I'm praying God will uh, give us the funding to help us to get those chairs. And we had other things we had to buy. And there's an ex-prisoner that I worked with at the Wyoming State Penitentiary for many, many years ago. In fact, over 30 years ago. Brother Sosby, he's gotten out of prison. He'll call me from time to time, usually several times a year, uh, sometimes every couple of months or every month, and sometimes uh, once a quarter. And he's gone through some difficult challenges. And he's not had the funds to hardly live on. I lives on a shoestring budget. And many times they've not had even the quality of food that they need to eat. And they've uh, been able to be challenged concerning their rent and their payment and their utilities. And not too long ago, his wife passed away. And he called and he said, Brother Ellis, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I've done all of this for God. I've stood and did the best I could by faith and believe in God, and now my wife passes away, and now this has taken place. In fact, he said, I might even get kicked out of my home and the little place I have to live, and what am I to do? And I took the Bible to the best of my ability, and as I had done over the years, and tried to encourage him. I was up in Pennsylvania preaching a Bible conference and returned to the office. I have a huge stack of mail, and I'm going through the mail. And there, as I go through my mail, I see a letter from that inmate. It's not unusual. He supported us for $25 a month for the last few years. And I thought it's just a support check from this individual. 
I opened it up, read the letter, and he said, I uh, applied for disability with the VA, and I knew he had over two, almost three years ago, and I've been praying for him that it would come through. He needed it desperately. And when I read his letter, it said, uh, God's heard and answered prayer. They ruled in my favor. And he said, I just wanted to give an offering to the Rock of Ages Ministries, and I want to be obedient to the Lord. And enclosed as a check, and I looked at it, enclosed with a check for $30,000. Why? Because one man, poor and needy and destitute, spent much of his life in prison, got out and said, I want to do something by faith and serve him in act in obedience. We expect the missionary to live by faith. We expect him to sacrifice and give. But my friend, if the missionary sacrifices to go, shouldn't we sacrifice to send? By faith, Abraham obeyed. So we find that God works, God moves, and God blesses the act of obedience. Faith without sight is dead. When we can see it, it's not faith. It's reasoning. When Abraham, or when God said to Abraham, Romans 4, 17 said, I've made thee a father of many nations. There was no sign of it. There was no evidence of that promise. But God said it, and Abraham believed it. There was no promised seed. There was no promised child. There was no hopes or ambitions. God just said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and I'm going to give you and bless your seed, and there'll be as the sand by the seashore and the stars of heaven. But there was not even a child in the mix. But Abraham believed it. Faith demands obedience. I'll not get into it this morning. But in my 44 years of preaching, before I became a missionary, and in fact, not long, too many years after God called me into the gospel ministry, I suffered one of the deepest, darkest valleys of my life. Discouraged, despondent, I knew not whither to turn. Then God gave me the blessed promise from the Bible. And I was able to rise from my despondency and depression. I was able to rise from my circumstances. I was able to rise. And God allowed me in obedience to faith in the Bible, His divine book, to overcome. There wasn't any sin. I want to clarify that this morning. It was just a personal battle in my life. Then, while I was a chaplain at the Wyoming State Penitentiary, I was preaching 35 times a week from a radio ministry that I had locally to a televised broadcast inside the institution to preach into the youth at our church at Victory Baptist Church, to preaching multiple times in our prison and death row and, and in our A. A unit, which is our receiving diagnostic center, has two units. Our discipleship at a max, medium, and minimum facility, our evangelistic services. 
I'll be honest with you, I did that for almost a year, preacher. I felt I owed it to my supporting churches, and I still feel a preacher that's on support owes it to his churches to be obedient to the call of God and to live by faith and lay us all on the line on the field. But it was more than that. I was doing it because I wanted to, as I look back, I didn't know it at the time, I was trying to impress self. I was trying to impress pastors and churches and prisoners and our church. One day when I'd had all that I could handle, I went inside my little room where I just within a few short months I would take a hostage, two hostages, and hold them in my office because of its location. The warden would try uh, to talk the FBI out of using me as a, a lure to bring the inmates out so that the FBI snipers could take them out. And I said to him, I can't do that. That'll ruin my ministry. I'll never be able to step foot in a prison again so long as I live in America. It'll be a death nail to the ministry that God's given to me. Just prior to that, I went in, taped little pieces of paper down that door. I threw myself over my desk and I said, God, that's enough. I can't do it anymore. I felt like Jeremiah there when he said, I can't do it anymore. And all of a sudden, it seemed like in that small, still voice, the Holy Ghost of God said, that's exactly what I've been waiting on. And God revived me and gave me strength, and I made adjustments to my ministry, and I was able to rise up. And for two times, God had raised me up from those things because of obedience to some of you young preachers have no idea what I'm speaking of. You haven't been in the ministry quite a long time yet. But you hang on. You hang on. Thirdly, we see that not only does faith demand obedience, faith trusts God in the darkness. The Bible said he went forth not knowing whither he went. May I just say this this morning, especially to the preachers that are here enough that I'm anyone to tell anyone what they should do in their ministry, but my experience let me say this. I know of a lot of preachers that have stepped out. They have faced the battle. They have faced the circumstances in the darkness. I have no one in mind this morning but as a result of that darkness that they faced, they have thrown in the towel. Faith, one preacher said, that has not been tested cannot be trusted. And so God called Abraham to go out, and the Bible said that he called him forth, and he went forth not knowing whither he went. In other words, Abraham, he knew that God had called him, and he left every step was by faith. And yet we find that he had never been that path before. He had never gone and traveled down this path in life. And so it is with every man of God, every child of God, that by faith the Lord calls us sometime to step out in the darkness. It is a step of faith because God wants to teach us and train us and let us learn that he will be with us regardless of 
our circumstances. I've said it before, but I'll say it again this morning very briefly. I remember some years ago, a preacher was preaching at one of our national conferences, and he said when I was in a church preaching, he said a man came to me and I had preached on the storm that Jesus had sent the disciples into, and Jesus, knowing the storm was coming, sent the disciples out anyway. And he said a man came to me and said to me, he said, preacher, why would God send them into the storm, knowing the storm was coming, and that their life would be in jeopardy? He said, I'll be honest with you, I can't answer that. God in his sovereignty, he knows best. But I'll go home and I'll pray and see if the Lord will show me. He said, I went home with my Bible open, laid it in front of my chair. I bowed in front of it and I said, Lord, I want to ask you the question that I was asked. Why would you send the disciples into the storm? Why would you send them knowing the storm was coming and their life would be in jeopardy? God, why did you do that? He said, that small, still voice through the Holy Ghost of God spoke to me and said to me, he said, Tom, how I wanted to teach my disciples that they could not go where I cannot come. What an answer. I wanted to teach them that there's nowhere they could go in life's journey. Though the darkness may overtake them, though the world may overpower them, there's nowhere they can go that I cannot come. Then, just two quick things and I'll be done. Thirdly, faith yields up the world for a better inheritance. The Bible said that he left land of the Chaldees, or the Chaldees. It was not long before him and Lot's servants, they had contention between them. And Abraham says to Lot, what land do you want for possession? And we find that Lot says, I want Sodom and Gomorrah. I want the plain cities. And so he goes. God speaks to him immediately and says to him, Abraham, lift up your eyes to the place where thou standest. As far as you can see to the north, to the south, to the east, and the west, as far as the eyes can see and be, see and beyond is a land. I've given to you. That included Lot's land. But it wasn't long till Lot had gotten what he wanted until a plea comes out to Abraham and Abraham has to go and rescue Lot from the land of supposed plenty. And Abraham has to defend not only his portion but that portion which Lot chose. The man of faith can let the present world go because by faith the child of God can look by faith into something better. A land that is not made by hands. A land that is made by the hand of Almighty God. A land that is promised for His people to enter into. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land where God would meet every need. Faith gives up the world for a better inheritance. You may be sitting here this morning and you're clinging to your possessions. 
You'll glean into your houses and homes and lands and IRAs, your Roth accounts. You'll cling into your uh, vehicles and your savings and your checkings and your uh, clinging to that which you have stashed at home and you're clinging to everything that this world has to offer. But it may be that God's saying to you, like he said to a missionary a couple of months ago, give up your house, give up your down payment, give it all up, have got a better home in store. The very thing we cling to shall fade, shall rust, the moth shall corrupt it, and last but not least, if I can get him to come to the instruments out there, the supreme, supreme test of Abraham was entering in the rest. At length, the very promise he had received, that he had claimed, that he had confessed, Isaac, at length, all the promises of God, it must be given up very thing that God wants must be given up for him to inherit the promise. The Bible says that Abraham believed God that God was able to raise him up as Isaac even from the dead. Therefore it was faith that was being tested because Abraham believed that God if need be would raise up Isaac from the dead to keep his promise. Because of this he was able to Give up Isaac. Have you ever wondered why he could offer his son Isaac in the altar? I'll tell you why. Because he said in his heart, if I offer him up, God will raise him back up. He just believed God. And this missions conference this week, I don't know if God wants you to give. I don't know if God wants you to go. I don't know what God may be bidding you do. But I can tell you this much. If you are found pleasing to God, it will be in a step and act of obedience. God would have a stand, the utmost trying hour, knowing that we cannot die. In the desert there is a flower which blooms only when the wind of persecution The fierce of the wind the more beautiful the flower in the desert, a barren place, a dark place at night, and the more fierce the wind, the more bright and brilliant are the flower. And when the wind blows across it, it flutters its little uh, leaves and its foliage as if giving praise to Almighty God. And may I say to you this morning that as with Abraham in the winds of adversity in our life, the winds of adversity in our ministry, the winds of adversity in our challenging our faith, we can stand this morning. And having done all stand, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, and you know the scripture. Faith. What is it God wants you to do? Right now. Building a new auditorium is nothing to God. Because God has already blessed and given the resources we have. Sending missionaries around the globe is nothing to God. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. 
but that which he owns he's given to you and I for stewardship. And therefore, the only thing that binds the hands of God is the unbelief of his people. God has it on loan to his people, but his people will not give it back. What has God given you this morning? Fathers, we bow before you. Bless his few short words. I don't know the needs of you here this morning in this auditorium, but our Father, we bow before Maybe some young man that you'd call to the gospel ministry, some young man or young lady you'd call to missions, some Christian, some family, some man that you'd call this morning to rise up and to give their best, to give their all give their resources helping the advancement of this church and this ministry and missions around the globe help us to act in obedience as did Abraham we ask it in Christ head bow and eyes closed this morning folks are coming I don't know your needs this morning I'm going to ask you this morning if we'll stand our feet as Brother Sam gets ready to lead us in or sing a song what is it by faith that you could do for God this morning? What is it by faith that you could come and lay on the altar and say, Lord, this morning I lay it at the foot of the cross? What about it, missionary preacher? What is it that God's asked us to do in the dark? Why don't you come? Good Samuel.